The Hebrew writer said of Abraham, he said, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I thought about that verse this morning in our Sunday school lesson, partly because of our discussion. And I believe that is one of the keys to being ready for that day when Jesus comes back, is that we are looking beyond this life, we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I also thought about that because this morning I want to take a lesson from the life of Abraham in the sermon. Um, my text this morning is Genesis chapter 22, uh, verses 1 through 19. I want to greet you all in the name of Jesus and uh, hope, trust that we can, as we look into God's word, that we can continue to be build up together this morning. Genesis chapter 22, the account of Abraham offering up Isaac. <clears throat> Genesis 22 verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy son, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What did I say? Is that I would read to verse 15 or 19? I have a couple verses here yet. 
And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. <clears throat> this is a very familiar story to all of us. And this morning, I would like to focus on Abraham's response to God in this account. And three times in this scripture, Abraham said the words, here I am, or here am I. Verses 1 and verse 11, it was his response to God. In verse 7, he said those words to his son Isaac. And as we look at Abraham's response, those three little words, I want to think about what is packed into those words. And uh, right at the beginning here, I want to recognize um, part of this sermon came from, the inspiration of this sermon came from Brother Anthony Miller, who preached from this text while I was at Calvary Bible School this spring. He preached a sermon from this text, and so I, I um, acknowledge using or, or receiving that inspiration from him for this sermon we know that God called Abraham out of his native land. He promised to make of his seed a great nation. He said they're going to be more than number than the, than the, the sand of the sea and than the stars of heaven. And we have throughout the book of Genesis, God coming to Abraham various times, different times, God speaking to him. He developed a relationship with him. The scriptures tell us that Abraham was known as the friend of God. And so we have a record, if I, if I counted correctly, of at least seven times before this, God coming and speaking to Abraham. But this is the last record that we have in the book of Genesis of God speaking to Abraham. And it is very uh, certainly the greatest test that Abraham has faced the hardest thing that God ever asked him to do. Verse 2, it says that God said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And he said, I want you to offer him as a sacrifice for me. It's interesting also that this this reference to love is the first mention of love, the first uh, record that we have of love in the Bible. And I believe it's fitting that it is a father's love for his son that is referenced here because it typifies our father's love for his only begotten son who was willing, whom he was willing to give and sacrifice for us. And there's a lot of typology here in Isaac being offered for a sacrifice. I'm not really planning to, to look at that this morning. 
But I did want to note that first reference of love, a father's love for his son. There's something special about a father's love for his son. A son resembles his father many times, um, inherits his father's personality traits many times. Um, a son will carry on the family name. You know, I, I, I love my sons. I love my daughters as well. But there, there's something just a little bit special about a father's love for sons. And I think that was especially true for Abraham. Because we know that Isaac was the promised son. He was the one that God said, I'm going to give you a son. And, and for years, God was promising this to Abraham. And Abraham was waiting. And Sarah, they were waiting and waiting. And finally, even though they didn't believe really that it would happen at first, finally it did happen. God was true to his promise. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was the one whom God had said would fulfill the promise to Abraham of making a mighty nation out of him. It was going to be through Isaac and through his seed that there was going to be millions of people, this great nation that was going to become great on the earth. And so to Abraham, Isaac represented the fulfillment of everything that God had promised to him. And I believe that Abraham's life, his future, his joy, his hope was bound up in his son Isaac. And now God is saying, I want you to give him up. I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. And when God said, Abraham, and Abraham answered, here am I, I am sure Abraham never expected to hear what he heard from God. Likely he was expecting another confirmation of the promise of God using his seed to bless the earth or something along those lines. Maybe a reassurance of God's presence as he finished out his final days in the life of his old age. Or perhaps a commendation from God for his faithfulness and for a lifetime of obedience and service to him. But this, this command to offer up his only son, surely he, he was expecting anything but that brutal commandment to do that, that impossible thing to do. I have often wished that we would have a record of what was going on inside the heart of Abraham as he heard these words from God. I wish we could see the emotion and the struggle that was going on. God told Abraham to go to Moriah. Um, there, there's some debate about where that was. Of course, uh, the Jews believed it was the Temple Mount. The Arabs believed, the Muslims believed it was the Temple Mount. They built the Dome of the Rock there. And this world-famous spot is supposedly the spot where uh, Abraham offered up Isaac. Nobody knows for sure, I don't think. But anyway, the, the spot that God called Abraham to go to, to offer his son, was, was um, far enough away that God gave Abraham time. God gave Abraham time to process. And we can only 
Imagine the agonizing and the soul-searching that Abraham went through in those few days and nights as he traveled to Moriah. Um, Tozer's classic, The Pursuit of God, he writes a little bit about Abraham's struggle, and I'd like to read from him here because he says it so much better than I can say. Take now thy son, said God to Abraham, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. The sacred writer spares us a close-up of the agony that night on the slopes near Beersheba when the aged man had it out with his God. But respectful imagination may view in all the bent form wrestling convulsively alone under the stars. Possibly not again until one greater than Abraham wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane did such mortal pain visit a human soul. If only the man himself might have been allowed to die, that would have been a thousand times easier, for he was old now, and to die would have been no great ordeal for one who had walked so long with God. Besides, it would have been a last sweet pleasure to let his dimming vision rest upon the figure of his stalwart son, who would live to carry on the Abrahamic line and fulfill in himself the promises of God made long before in the Ur of the Chaldees. How should he slay the lad, even if he could get the consent of his wounded and protesting heart? How could he reconcile the act with the promise, In Isaac shall thy seed be called? This was Abraham's trial by fire. And he did not fail in the crucible. While the stars still shone like sharp white points above the tent where the sleeping Isaac lay, and long before the gray dawn had begun to lighten the east, the old saint had made up his mind. He would offer his son, as God had directed him to do, and then trust God to raise him from the dead. This, says the writer to the Hebrews, was the solution his aching heart found sometime in the dark night, and he rose early in the morning to carry out the plan it is beautiful to see that while he erred as to God's method, he had correctly sensed the secret of his great heart. And the solution accords well with the New Testament scripture, whosoever will lose for my sake shall find. <clears throat> I've read those words many times and it always moves me. I think it gives us a glimpse into what might have went through Abraham the wrestling of his heart, the soul-searching, the emotions, but somehow he was able to find a, a place of peace and a way to carry out what God asked him to do. Incredible. And although the wrestling of Abraham's heart is not recorded in the Scripture, I believe we can still get a glimpse of what he went through and how he responded by his actions, by what he did. His obedience tells us that in the end, he came to the decision of complete loyalty and trust in his God. Abraham said the words, here I am, before he knew what God was asking of him. He said, I'm here, I'm listening, I'm ready to do what you ask, in my own words. And when God gave his command, 
Abraham was able to bring his heart and his actions into alignment with those words. The words, here I am, were not empty words. Abraham's response and attitude toward God's command to offer up his son showed showed, uh, that those words were loaded with meaning. He meant, he said what he meant. He meant what he said. Abraham displayed a heart tuned towards God. As hard as the struggle had to have been for him, at the end he stood by those words and he committed himself to obedience. All of us as God's children experience times in life when God speaks more clearly, perhaps more strongly than usual. It might be at a spiritual milestone of your life It might be a call to responsibility or to ministry. Many times it is as when he called Abraham for us to walk through something that is very, very difficult and it hurts and it brings turmoil to our hearts. Those are the times when God is testing our faith. He's probing us. He's prodding. He wants to see what we're made of. God wants to hear the words, here I am, Lord, in those moments of our lives. And as I was uh, preparing for this sermon, I was reflecting on my own life. And I think about some of my own experiences, my own here I am moments in life. I remember as a young boy coming to the realization of being a sinner and being guilty before God. I lived in fear of Jesus coming back. And that fear and conviction led me to go to my parents and they prayed with me and I was able to find peace. Uh, That was my first experience of saying, here I am, when God spoke. I remember four years later kneeling right up here on this floor and being baptized by Brother Jonas. And I, I clearly remember how that public commitment To follow Jesus became a milestone in my life. It it was a real here I am moment for me. It gave me assurance of being a Christian. Brother Harold talked this morning about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And and I, I still see that as a defining moment in my life of committing myself to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's another vivid picture in my mind of sitting up here on this side, I think it was, and being called to the ministry, hearing Raymond King say the words, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And and once again, needing to say those words, here I am, Lord. A year and a half later, or a few years later, after the, the birth of our second son, he wasn't eating, he wasn't growing. You know our journey with, with him. He was sick, he was thin. My wife and I were desperate. We were, we were going to doctors. There just wasn't any answers. It seemed like there was none. It was a very difficult time for us. And and probably one of the hardest here I am experiences for both of us. 
And I'm glad to say that I've come to at least in a measure a place of resignation with our third child, but he is still uh, in many ways continues to bring those moments for us. I believe God is using him to work sanctification in my life, and that's a good thing. Last year, on August 12th, at sunrise, God brought another very significant moment into my life when he called my sister Carolyn home to be with him. And I recognize, Steve, you and the children are here. It was much more of a moment for you than it was for me. And, and there is a sense in all of us we're part of that. And we need to be. As a church, we had, you know, it's not very often that a church experiences two funerals in one week. I believe God wanted us to come to him and say, here I am. Here we are. What are you teaching us? That's a brief overview of the times in my life when I needed to say, here I am, like Abraham, when God spoke. And I doubt that God is finished with me yet. I fully expect that there will be more times in life ahead when I'm going to need to say those words again. We do need to say them. We need to continue to say them as God continues to do his work to purge us and to make what, out of us what he wants us to be. And, and there are other things. There are other moments in, in life that, you know, that all of us could talk about. Those are some of the significant ones for my life. And all of you, can ex you have had your journeys. You have experienced the same things. And you can expect more of the same. And I hope that all of you right now are reflecting on your own lives. And when you have needed to say, here I am to God. I know that many of you have done that to a far greater degree than I have. And, and I am blessed by the sweetness of spirit and the character that I see coming out of your lives from that. And there's something about going through those times in life that, that produces, that has the potential to produce good things, good fruit, if we allow God to do that. It, it, it needs to be decided on our part, but God can do that with those things. Young people, you're here this morning with your life ahead of you. you I, I'm going to tell you, you can expect that God is going to bring moments like that into your life. Moments when you're going to need to say like Abraham, here I am, Lord. Teach me. Use this experience to make me what you want me to be. Some of you, you have already experienced some of that. Some of you more than others. But you can expect that to happen in your life. He wants to use those things to develop us and mold us into the image of Jesus. He delights. God delights in hearing us say, Here I am, Lord. Teach me. Show me. Show me the way that you want me to walk. I want to think now about the meaning behind the words that Abraham said when he said to God, here I am. And I told you earlier that I believe there's a lot packed into those words. 
I'd like to give you some of the things that I see being part of that statement and I believe should be part of our lives as we relate to God and the things that he brings to us. First of all, here I am means listening to God. God speaking to Abraham here in Genesis 22 and Abraham's quick response was not an isolated event in Abraham's life. This was a reoccurring part of Abraham's life. He had developed, I believe, the art of listening to God. Perhaps I should call it the discipline of listening to God. Abraham had learned to keep his ears turned towards God, to have his heart tuned to what God would have him to do. God wants all of us to live like that, to have our ears turned and our hearts tuned to him. The attitude of, What do you want to teach me, Lord? Lord, I want to hear from you. I need direction. I am in need of refining. Do your work in me. That's the prayer that we should be praying. That's the prayer that is in those three little words. Here I am. And God has given us many, many resources. His spirit dwells within us. And many times... He speaks to us in small ways, not in ways like he did to Abraham, where he's many, many times it is not in such dramatic ways, but oftener it is in small ways, perhaps in your personal Bible reading and study, perhaps through a song that is sung at church on a Sunday morning, perhaps through a corrective word from your husband or your wife or your parents or your friend, your brother, your sister. Words, those, those kind of words can make us uh, cringe and bristle sometimes. But God wants us to use those things as a message from him and to listen when he speaks in that way. <clears throat> if we develop the habit of hearing him through those small things in life, We will be preparing ourselves to listen when he brings those potentially faith-shaking things, those things that have the potential to derail us. You know, it all begins by listening, by having our hearts tuned and listening in all of life. Here I am also means a willingness to obey. Abraham demonstrated that so well. In this chapter, this text, he demonstrated a readiness to do exactly what God told him to do, even though it made no sense to him. Even though every fiber of his being, I I think, recoiled against what God was asking him to do, said it cannot be right. Yet he said he did what God asked him to do. Verse three gives us a little bit of a picture of Abraham's obedience. It says, Abraham rose up early in the morning. He didn't mess around. He got up early in the morning. He saddled his ass. He, got, he made ready. He took two of his servants. He said, you go, you're going along to help out with this. He woke up Isaac and he prepared him to go. And it says that he claved the wood for the burnt offering. It tells us later on in these verses that he had the wood and he had the fire. Abraham was going to do this thing right. 
He made every provision to do what God told him to do. Verse 3 tells us again that, that he clave the wood. And I looked up that word clave. It, it really means that, it just means that he split the wood or he, he uh, chopped the wood. He, he broke it up. He got it ready to go. And I imagine he, he got the kindling ready and the bigger wood. <clears throat> but one of the things that, that I thought about, you know, Strong says that the word clave means to rend to break or to rip open. That's what it means. And I believe it literally means that Abraham split the wood and got it ready to go. But I, I, I was imagining as I thought about that idea of rending and tearing open the wood, splitting it. And I can imagine that with every blow of the axe, as Abraham split that wood, it was also a a rending and a breaking, a tearing at his heart as he thought about what that wood was for. But he was willing to obey in spite of all of that. He was prepared. This was not a half-hearted attempt. Abraham could have easily thought, well, if God is going to ask me to do this hard thing, then he's going to be need to provide the wood. He's going to need to have something there ready to light the fire. That's not what Abraham did. He went, he took the wood, he took the fire, he took everything that he needed. He got up early. So here I am, must always include, I will do what you ask me to do, Lord. It's obedience, it's willingness to obey. The prophetic words of Samuel to Saul echo resoundingly true today. Samuel told Saul, he said, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than worship. Really, obedience is the ultimate form of worship. Because the best way to reverence and to honor and to exalt the name of God which is what worship is, is to do what he tells us to do. Is it not? Thought about the words of the, the popular song that we sing many times. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. And I think I thought about, I think this came to me because of the phrase, here I am, in, in, the, in that song. And I'm not, uh, I, I don't have a bone to pick with this song. I actually like the song, um, at least somewhat. But I, I, I did want to say that, the, you know, the songwriter says, here I am to say that you're my God. Here I am to worship. But the best way to say that you are my God, the best way to say you are my God is to obey him. Here I am must include obedience to God. And I believe Abraham demonstrated that. Here I am means finding peace without knowing the answers. There were times in Abraham's life when he had the opportunity to dialogue with God. 
I'm thinking especially of the account of Abraham interceding for Sodom. The Lord came and told Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Abraham immediately thought of Lot living there. And he said, well, what about the righteous who are living in Sodom? Are you going to destroy Sodom if there's 50 righteous men living there? And he had this interesting little dialogue with God where he, he finally got God down to saying that he would not destroy Sodom if he could find, was it five or ten? Ten, ten righteous men in the whole city of Sodom. God said, I won't destroy it for your sake. So Abraham, in that portion of Scripture, in that account, was, was kind of able to contend with God and to dialogue with God. But it's not that way here in chapter 22. This command came like a thunderbolt. And that was it. God left Abraham to contend with his own heart. There were no answers from God. He didn't tell Abraham why. He didn't tell Abraham that he was testing his faith. He just said, go and sacrifice your son. And I'm sure that Abraham's heart cry over and over again through this experience was, God, what are you trying to do? What is this all about? Part of here am I is giving God the right to do things that we don't understand, things that we do not have answers for. Things like that are very hard. We, we know that. But God doesn't bring those things to us just to show us control and power that he has over us. He does it for our own good. He does it because he wants to perfect us. He wants to teach us dependence on him. The human solution to difficult situations is knowing the answers and understanding things, understanding what's going on. But God's solution usually is not that way. It is usually faith and trust in who he is. And we can see that right here in this account with Abraham. God wants us to use our minds and to seek wisdom and understanding in situations. I, I'm not saying that he doesn't want us to do that. But we understand that those things are limited. When we start to think about God and his greatness and his person and the things that he brings into our lives, there's a time when we're going to come up against. There's a time when we can go no further with, with our own wisdom and with our own reasoning, with our own understanding. Here I am means resting in the fact that God is infinite and he has the sovereign right to allow things and to do things that supersede our finite minds, things that we cannot understand. Part of this involves resignation of my own will and, and my own way of thinking. And it, it's also many times means letting go of something that we hold dearly. Abraham had to do this. He had to let go of one of the most precious things of his life, his son, the promised son. 
And he was able to do that, the Hebrew writer tells us, by coming to the conclusion that God would raise him from the dead. But in order to come to that conclusion, he still had to resign his own will and his own understanding. The scriptures, Jesus said in Matthew, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is it the kingdom of God or is it for they shall know God? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> I believe God used this experience to teach Abraham the blessedness of possessing nothing. Abraham was a man of many possessions, an incredible wealth. He was a wealthy man. But I believe that Abraham learned in the process of his life, and especially through this experience right here in Genesis 22, the, the, the blessing of even though he had things, of not possessing those things, not hanging on to those things. It's human nature to hang on to things. It's hard to give up things that we value and we cherish, but it's a principle of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, whosoever shall save his life shall, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That principle of giving up and letting go for the sake of Jesus Christ is certainly a part of saying, here I am to God. And then my final point that I have is in verse, um, verse 8. Abraham said to Isaac, and again, I believe as Isaac asked this question, I can't imagine how it might have torn at Abraham's heart. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's answer is almost supernatural, I believe. He said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And again, in, in verse 14, after Abraham had his hand and the knife up and he was ready to bring it down, he was ready to go through all the way with what God had asked him to do. God stopped him. The angel of the Lord stopped him. And Abraham once again, he, it says in verse 14, he called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. Jehovah-Jireh means God will provide. And so my, my last point is, here I am means understanding that God will provide. I believe that in his answer to Isaac, that Abraham truly did believe that God would provide somehow through this experience. Abraham even though it made no sense to him what God was asking him to do, his faith and trust remained in God and he knew that somehow, some way, God was still going to provide through all of this. I don't think he knew how it would be. It uh, tells us again that he, he came to the conclusion that Isaac would be raised from the dead. But his faith and trust in God was so great 
that he believed God would provide somehow, some way. And I believe that's for all of us. It doesn't matter what kind of experience, what kind of a struggle you may be going through. God will provide in your struggle. There is grace to be found. There is strength to be found. God brings these things into our lives, but he never brings more. He never takes us beyond the grace that he can give to go through what he asks us to go through. It says in verse 14, in the mouth of the Lord, it shall be seen. And I like those words because I believe that when we come to those places in life, when we simply need to say, here I am, Lord, we don't understand. Maybe it's a hard, hard thing to go through. I believe it is as God provides and gives his grace that the world can see, it shall be seen. that God is God and that we have faith and trust in him. Let's kneel for prayer.